Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. It seems that, and the story goes like this, and and I'll leave it to my guest in a second to help me out with this, but it seems that researchers at Boston University combined, as part of an experiment, combined the original COVID virus that was discovered in China, the Wuhan virus, with the more benign, not benign, but the far less powerful Omicron variant in a lab. I'm not exactly sure why. And again, that's where my next guest is going to help out. It it was for science. It was obviously for a purpose. Uh, Some people are saying this is, this is the nest. You need to do this kind of thing with this, these viruses to make sure that we know what we're dealing with down the road. If there's other variants or whatever, maybe this help others saying, this is way too risky because in this test, the Omicron virus was given to mice. They all lived. The other one was given to mice. Some of them died. This one, when they combined them, they gave samples to mice. 80% died. Imagine 80% fatal rate being leaked out into the community. I want to bring in a familiar voice here. We haven't had him on in a long time because thankfully we haven't had as much to talk about with COVID, nothing personal, but we're just glad we haven't had as much COVID to talk about lately. Uh, But a familiar voice here, Dr. Ahmad Firas Khalid, uh, the assistant professor at the School of Global Health at York University. Doctor, thank you for doing this today. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back on the show. And we're, we're thrilled to have you back. It has been too long. Help me out a little bit with this because I don't quite understand what would be in a, in a perfect scenario, what would be the reason why a lab would want to meld these two together to see what would happen? So labs often do that. So just to set the stage for our audience, it's very common in the science world that in a very controlled environment, labs and researchers are able to conduct studies like the one we're talking about where we try to push the limits of science to discover something new that we don't know before. And this specific experiment, what it tried to do was take the Omicron gene, uh, the surface protein, sorry, and combine it with one of the original variants of SARS-CoV-2 that came out of Wuhan. And they borrowed that uh, variant from Washington State University. They combined the two together in a very controlled environment, and they tried to understand what makes Omicron less uh, dangerous, if you want to put it another way. And the hope was they, by discovering the answer, they'll be able to create better diagnostic tests and better ways to manage the disease. But again, this was all done in a very controlled environment, in a lab, on mice, not on humans. Yeah, and and I mean, look, I don't know whether people want to be conspiratorial because there are still some who believe that SARS, that, that, that COVID leaked from a lab in Wuhan in the first place. If that's the case, everyone's going to be freaking out about this one because it could leak out as well. Mm-hmm. But Is there, leaving the conspiracy theories aside, is there a risk when you do this by creating a Frankenstein that you do create something that escapes or that gets out of control? Of course there is. I mean, there's no denying that if if researchers do not follow strict guidelines on how to conduct experiments that are mandated by the federal government, we have one in Canada and the U.S. has a similar one called NIH, then there is a risk that this might cause a danger to the population. Hence why any research experiment such as this one will have to undergo very strict ethical concerns. And I think the reason why this story is making news is because for some reason, this the specific study was able to bypass uh, the very strict criteria in place for it. And so Boston University now is defending the reasons and saying that 
You know, they don't meet the criteria that needs a strict guideline. And it's making the, the government agency who's in charge of putting these guidelines revise their policy on this. So there is space for questioning how vigilant the government is on experiments like this. Um, and I can assure you in Canada, we have very, very strict guidelines in place that permits uh, researchers to conduct similar studies. So just again, to understand, because uh, clearly I'm not a scientist, is the idea behind this that, look, if if we were to have another outbreak, that we can figure out how to weaken it somehow, or is it uh, by a further injection or something, or is it that we want to see what the future variants might be? It's a combination of both. We want to understand what the future variants would look like, but we also want to understand why Omicron specifically did not cause the results in terms of like how bad it was on population like it should have, because it was a variant that we were expecting to have to, uh, you know, very bad effects on people health-wise. It didn't end up being like that. Most people that got infected with Omicron variant tended to live very he- uh, healthy lives and moved on with them with their illnesses. So this experiment was really just trying to understand why Omicron specifically didn't do that. And then if Omicron was supposed to mutate again and present itself in a different mutation, is there a way that we can preemptively understand what that looks like and create tests now so we're not you know, frantically looking for better tests detected and better ways to treat it? This one found, again, the examples. Now, I don't know how rats or mice translate into results with humans. 80% of the rodents that they gave this to died. But if you were to use this particular strain, could you create a vaccine for this particular one alone to have it ready? Or would that make no sense because a, uh, a variant probably wouldn't look exactly like this? Well, first of all, the experiment in mice does not mean it will work the same on humans. We actually know from scientific endeavors that, you know, it doesn't, it's not a hundred percent match. So mice are not humans. We, we use mice as a safe precaution to test out experiments, but it doesn't mean that the findings will also replicate to humans. This is why there's very strict guidelines on how findings in mice translate to humans. You know, we start with test trials on humans that take a very much longer, rigorous process. But yes, in an ideal world, if this was to follow all the proper, proper precautions and rules, eventually we were able to, uh, you know, have in place vaccines and tests ahead of the next pandemic, or at least be able to have something ready that if we need to change it to adapt to new variants, we're able to do that in real time and in a much faster way. You said right off the top today that this is a common, not not this exact thing, but that the the the, the process is common. That we do this in a lot of ways. How many how many things might people, if people are shocked by this, doctor? How many other things might people be shocked that are being tested or combined or worked on in labs? Walk to any university in Canada right now, to your local university in your neighborhood, and I'm assure you that there are mice at every one of those universities, and there are experiments being run in all those labs. That's just the nature of science. We cannot just experiment on humans. That time, you know, way back then, we used to do that. That's no longer legal. So we, we always experiment on mice first, uh, and then we follow very, very strict guidelines. If appropriate, then they get to be deemed for pilot testing on humans. But I assure you, in Canada specifically, it's a very, very stringent process. But when I mean, and that, that's okay, so thank you for that, but also... The idea that it, when you say go to any university, would there be tests being done at almost every university on things that would 
shock us that like this one, people are shocked because you've created this Frankenstein COVID variant. It, would there be things in many labs that could be very, very harmful if they escaped that we would see normally at a lot of different places? I'm not sure about that, but I'll tell you like things like cholesterol, things like uh, insulin treatment. Those are all were first tested out on humans. Uh, heart disease and how it functions with specific medications also is, t- is tested on, on mice. So to answer your, your earlier question, many of the common things that we take for granted, such as uh, you know, heart medication, cholesterol medication, those were first tested on mice to make sure they're safe, there's no side effects to them, and that they are tolerable. And then they moved along the strict processes to tie, p- test pilots in among humans. It's a fascinating story. Uh, listen, we really, as always, appreciate you taking a few minutes to come on. Uh, Dr. Ahmad Firas Khalid, the uh, Assistant Professor at the School of Global Health at York University. Thank you for this. You're welcome. Thanks. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Bubba O'Neill joins us here. So tonight is a uh, tonight's a bit of a celebratory night because the Raptors are getting started, and heaven knows around these parts, uh, the Ticat season has not been great. Although they're doing better, the Blue Jays pooped out in the playoffs. The Leafs have started rather terribly this year. So the Raptors bring great hope and optimism for what might happen this year. It, it, should we have great hope and optimism? Sure. I mean, they continually surprise people. I mean. And that's what I really like about this team. They're young. They're they're motivated. They they continue to improve. Last season, most people saw it as a rebuilding year. And I'm not only I'm not only talking about the general American analysts and prognosticators, mm-hmm. but uh, even here, it was expected. You know that this was going to be, last year was going to be a real down year. Maybe fighting for a play-in position, which would be you know that ninth, tenth position. Pascal Siakam misses, you know, the first month with the scene with the shoulder surgery. It was all doom and gloom, and they actually started pretty poorly. And then they were the second hottest team in the second half of the season and finished fifth. And I, I thought they really pushed the 76ers in that first round of the playoffs. So I, I think it's nothing but up with this team with a little bit more playoff experience. Experience right now, Scotty Barnes. I, I think there's reason for a lot of positivity with that team and, and a full season with Siakam. Yeah, th- this is the thing with the NBA that can drive you nuts if you let it drive you nuts. And that is, I, I don't think, it- is there anyone, Bubba, who would say the Raptors are going to win a championship or could win a championship? I don't think there's anyone who's going to say this is a team that can win a championship. But I think, as you say, I think that they're on the right path. I just don't see that they're this that there's even a chance they win this year. Well, I can't I can't say that. I mean, because I, I mean, who... I. I you just never really know, right? Like, who would have thought what happened in the last couple of years, really? Um, you know, yeah, is there elite in the league, or at least expected elite in the league? Uh, for sure. But I think I could say the same thing about baseball, right? I mean, it, it's only the playoffs this year that we've seen some crazy things happen. The L.A. Dodgers, who spell up, spend up to $300 million a year, which is, you know, leads North American pro sports. They got eliminated, but they won 111 games. Uh, the Atlanta Braves, uh, same sort of 100-win team, and, and they get knocked out in the playoffs. But I think you could say that about any sports, that there's just a level of elite, and then uh, uh, I guess that second level, and then obviously the bottom feeders. But uh, I think that's the way it is right now with free agency and you know, and the salary cap and teams that are allowed to go over the salary cap. And if you're willing to play the luxury tax in, in any of these sports, uh, except for hockey, I guess that's a hard cap. Uh, this is the way it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, with basketball, here's the thing. We saw it when they won. 
you really do need in the NBA. I can't remember the last team that won a championship that did not have a superstar player, like one of the top players in the league. But I, I think what the Raptors are doing is building up all the parts around so that if things continue, maybe this is not the year, but if you continue to improve, you put Masai Ujiri in the position that either by the trade deadline this year, if it goes really well, or by next year, maybe you go pull another Kawhi Leonard move if you can, and you're back in that contention. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that happens this year. I think you get get some spare parts at the trade deadline, but I don't think that's. I think that's more of a hockey sport mentality of looking for that guy to put you over the top because it's just too expensive to get a guy at that yes, point. Yes. Um, but I think you you certainly gauge your team at going into an off season and say we're ready to make that next step. And you know, I, hey, Messiah Jury is the only general manager at that time to to bring, you know, Southern Ontario championship. So I can't doubt anything he does, quite honestly, because we've seen what the Leafs have done and how many times they've tried and the, the, the mass spending that they've gone through. The Blue Jays have, have teased people with some very good teams, uh, even going back to 2015 and 2016, but they can't get over the top for whatever reason. So uh, I don't know. I guess uh, for me, Masai Jerry knows what he's doing. I know. I, I don't disagree with that. And as I say, I think this... This is a year that I don't th- I don't think most people would be saying, oh yeah, they can win this year. But I think what they can think by watching it is they can improve enough to put themselves in the mix that by next year we could be talking about that again. That that this is that you're on the escalator and you're you're working your way upwards. Yeah, again, again, I, I get into the play- playoffs, right? Isn't that what we say about pretty much? I mean, we're yep. saying that about the yep. Tiger Cats right now, right? You brought up the Tiger Cats, and you know they've had a horrendous opening to the season, mid part of the season. Most of it self inflicted, too. I have to admit, too, uh, with some of the blown leads and things that have happened to them in the second half. But here they are cresting with you know playing four really really good games, winning three of them, um, and. If they can pull off that victory against Ottawa on Friday, they're into the dance where anything can happen, and especially in the CFL, because we've seen it before, where sub-500 teams, even a Toronto team going back with Ricky Ray, 9-9, and they end up being Grey Cup champions. But I think that's pro sports right now, that you just need to get into the postseason and and let, let some crazy things possibly happen. All right, so if we were talking about, and I, and I agree with you that basketball less than other sports don't tend to do those big trade deadline moves, So, we're, but we're talking about, you know, maybe could the Raptors add someone mid-season? What about the other way? Let's go to football for a second. Really interesting suggestion. Now, I, I don't, you know, there's lots of stuff that people talk about to get clicks and to get people to listen, but Chris Sims, who's a, a commentator now, former player in the NFL, Mm-hmm. made a comment this week that w- the way things are going, he might see, he might be able to see Tom Brady retiring mid-season because it's just not going well. He's got some personal issues now with Giselle and all the rest of the stuff. Are we seeing the end of Tom Brady this year? Whether he quits no. mid-season or not, are we, is this the end of Tom Brady? No, I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and, and I also think the thought that he would leave his team, that is so out of character for a Tom Brady to be leaving his team mid, mid-season. Uh, they don't have a lot of backup. I think I can't even remember the name of their backup. Uh, it, it would not work, and I don't see that him. That's a very um, 
I know life is life, and you know maybe something would happen. But that is very Tom, un Tom Brady. Like I can't see him doing that, leaving the team in the midst of a season. Um, and statistically, he's having a good season. They just not getting wins right now, and they're struggling that way. There are other aspects wrong with that team other than Tom Brady, in my opinion. So to think that he would leave the team midseason, that to me, I, I think that's. I guess nothing's impossible, but you'd have to really, really. Well, I'd have to read it for that for that to have, for me to actually believe that it actually happened. Well, see, I don't I don't see it either. But I a broader part about whether we're getting to the end of the Tom Brady era uh, that that I could believe more because with almost every older athlete, at some point, the end seems to come very quickly, and you, like it's rare that you see a guy who's been a star diminished very, very gradually. It's, it just seems like almost overnight the people who have been that kind of player just are done. Go back and wa- go back and look at the numbers. I was shocked when I did this a little while ago. Go back and look at Wayne Gretzky's hockey DB numbers. He was in a May, I mean, obviously he was Wayne Gretzky. And then like his last year, I think he had six goals or seven goals, like what he used to have in two nights. And it just was gone. And I, I just wonder if, you know, Tom Brady's still okay, but he just doesn't look like Tom Brady right now. I got to disagree with you. I, I think when teams are losing, I think it's easy to, 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 to pick that, uh, to say that those kind of things. Uh, currently, Tom Brady's the fifth-best quarterback statistically in the league. So I, I, I'm not seeing any drop-off here. He's only been intercepted three times. He's thrown ten touchdown passes which is near the tops in the league other than, you know, the likes of Mahomes and, and Josh Allen. As I said, fifth in, in yardage, in yardage, so uh, completing nearly 70% of his passes. So i got to disagree with you there, Scott. I mean, statistically, we're not seeing that. I think it's wins and losses, and football being the ultimate um, team sport, there are other things like an offensive line um, because he's also getting sacked a little bit more than he's used to. You know, and even that, that, he's only been sacked nine times, where a guy like Matt Ryan has been sacked 21 times. Joe Burrow, who went to the Super Bowl last year, he's been sacked 21 times. Matthew Stacker, 22 times. So, uh, statistically, he's still playing well. They're just not getting wins, I think, for other reasons. And, you know what, when you're Tom Brady and you've won seven Super Bowls and you're married to a supermodel, and then there are reports of, you know, some, some type of... Um, I mean, I, I don't even want to say divorce or because I don't know enough about their personal life. But there's strife. There are reports of like, strife. Yes. Yeah, there's something going on with you know beyond beyond him. But I also remember when he you know he missed most of training camp, and you know the first question was obviously Tom, where have you been? Why have you missed most of training camp? And his answer was, and I thought it was quite honest because sometimes we see guys like Tom Brady, many athletes just give that sort of plastic answer, and he just said, "Look, I'm 45 years old right now." And when you're 45, there's a lot of blank going on in your life sometimes. So, which I think that's, I thought it was pretty human by saying that. And yeah, maybe there are some stuff going on. Maybe his kids, his kids, or maybe his kids are brat. I don't who knows, but and maybe his wife, his wife who has gone on record to saying, you know, she would like him to retire because of the concussion issues, but she's afraid of him being, you know, quote, a vegetable. Um, and he can't comes, he sort of soft retires and then comes back. So maybe that's caused some issue in their homes. But, you know, to me, that's none of my business. And, you know, is it affecting his play? Well, I don't know. I, I can't put their losses and their record on Tom Brady. 
But I, all I know is statistically, he's playing well. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, it's a fair point. It's it's the the problem when you talk about Tom Brady is with this question. Tom Brady has always won, and so it, it becomes difficult at times to say to separate the stats and the winning. It's just he's he's always won wherever he's been. He's he's whether it's because he's had good players or because this? of him. Let me let me say this right. Okay, he's in whatever is twenty whatever. He's forty five years old, right? I'm going to point to you, if you go back and look at the records, there were there have been at least four to five times, and I'm going to go back as far as his New England Patriots time, where people were wondering, is this the end of Tom Brady? Is this the end of Tom Brady because the, the, the Patriots got up to a slow start or he looked like he was struggling the one year where he missed most of the year uh, and he came back after the knee injury and then he didn't look right and... I mean, when you're Tom Brady and you have that kind of ultra focus on you, everything you do is under the microscope, right? So we have asked this question before, and I'll tell you, after the multiple MVPs, the seven Super Bowl uh, rings that he has on his hand, I don't think maybe 10 appearances in the Super Bowl, I'm not going to doubt that guy till he actually leaves. You know, it's he's a fair me, point. He's proven, me, he's proven me wrong too many times where, we, where I'm like, I think he's done. You know, and and that was 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, look, it, he has done exactly as you describe. He has proven us wrong many times when this has been looking like things are on the downward. So, you know what, you could you could well be right. I, I, I was thinking that this was looking like the end, but you know what, you're almost convincing me that... Uh, that I need to, I need to hold on a little, be a little more patient. Cause I just, you know what it is? It's, it was just even last week, just seeing the sheer level of frustration that he had on the sideline, which Absolutely. is, which doesn't Tom Brady for most of his career has been the calm guy. Now there's, there's reasons for that because he's usually been in a winning position so you can afford to be calm, but he's usually been the calm guy. And when you see that kind of frustration, you sort of say, dear, is he really enjoying himself? And if he's not enjoying himself at 45 and heaven knows he doesn't need the money, uh, you know, then do you keep no. going? But I, you know what, your, your, your well, case, you make a good case. Here's the, here's the thing. He has set such a standard for himself with his play. And of course his teams, his head coach, with Bel Belichick at the time, uh, their standard has been so high that it's real easy when things aren't going well. I think maybe for the athlete to maybe overreact. But here's the one little caveat that I'm going to add to this entire discussion, and this is something for, for your listeners to think about. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even with all what's going wrong with that team right now, lead the NFC South with a 3-3 three and three record. The Falcons, they are 3-3. Three and three. They're not going to the playoffs. I'm going to tell you that right now. The New, the New Orleans Saints are 2-4. and four. They're not going to the playoffs right now. And the Carolina Panthers at 1-5 and five are certainly not going to the postseason. So based on the division that they're in, it's the Bucks' division to lose. Uh, yeah. You, you know that there are teams that are in the NFC East and the AFC East who are saying, why couldn't we be in the Bucks, <laughs> in the Bucks division? Yeah. We'll take that. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, and we've got a few minutes left here, i got to tell you... Um, Reading this week that it seems as though, and something could change, but it seems as though Miami might be allowing Tua to play this weekend. I, but honestly, Bubba, I, 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 I am so uncomfortable with this. I know that they wouldn't put him in unless doctors gave clearance and all the rest. 
you know, we hear about concussion that, you know, we see hockey players who are out for weeks with this stuff. And I don't know whether hockey players' brains are squishier than football players or football players' heads are harder, but considering what he went through recently and the way his body reacted to that second one, boy, it it feels uncomfortable as a football fan to see a team, if they do give him the clearance, say, go ahead and play again right now. Well, he's cleared to play, and he's been practicing since last week. Um, and apparently he looks razor sharp. Um, here's the thing. The, the guy wants to play, and that's a personal decision. And if he's medically cleared to play, well, I don't know. What what are you supposed to do? What's the team supposed to do? Because You're supposed to be the adult in the room because the athlete well, will always say he wants to play. Always. Absolutely. But if he's medically cleared to play, you, you, you're not going to not play him, right? He's your number one guy. He, he wasn't even a contest who won the guy out of training camp. He's clearly the best quarterback that they had. And you know what? And let's be honest, it, this team has not been the same um, since that team, since, since they lost him. They, you know, they, they, they beat, they're the one and only team to beat the Buffalo Bills. And they've sunk to three and three right now. So as long as he's healthy and he wants to play and he, he's out there, and I think there's, you know, I think when you look at two attack Viola, the only thing that you concern yourself about, and I think this is why we're always going to be a little nervous about him, he's a guy that's only six foot one. Quarterbacks in in the National Football League, you look at a Josh Allen, six foot seven. You know, a lot of these guys are big body quarterbacks, can take the hits and hit the and the, the uh, take that punishment over a 60, 60 minutes of football. The problem with Tua, with that six foot one, even in the Canadian Football League and in the National Football League, guys at that size and that height are generally more scrambling type quarterbacks, guys that run, guys that roll out a lot. Tua is a pocket passer. You look at the size of these defensive ends nowadays and these defensive tackles. They are monsters. Some of them going 6'5", six, 6'7", six, in excess of 300 pounds. And when you're sitting in there in the pocket and you get sacked, and you get crunched, you, you see exactly what happened in the last two games that he played. And I think that's the one concern that he will have to deal with. Maybe they need to have him have some type of new offensive package where he sprints out of the pocket a little bit more to see the, the, to get the ball downfield. But he is what he is. This has not been only with the Miami Dolphins as a professional player. He has had a long history problem when he was with the, at Alabama as well, too. Yeah, but not but like ankles and hips and I, I, I the issue is. And here's where it becomes even more than a, a, an issue for him or even for the Dolphins. What is the PR situation for the NFL if he plays on Sunday and gets concussed? The NFL, which has had lawsuits, has had to settle this massive multi-million dollar thing, has said, we are totally serious about concussions. We are all about the safety of the athlete. The NFL head office has to be on all their hands and knees right now, burning incense and praying to all their deities that Tua does not get concussed this week. Cause this would be a PR nightmare disaster beyond anything they've had in ages, maybe since the Ray Rice situation. And that was a whole different yeah, issue, yeah, I, but I, I can't I, imagine I, a worse PR thing. I, I so disagree with you. And, and here's why. First of all, if Tua Tagovailoa gets hurt with a concussion, you're going to stop watching the national football league. Yes or no? I, uh, are you going to stop will, watching pro football, Scott? It would make me you know, much you know, less you know comfortable answer, to watch. Right? No, I, I probably won't. I probably won't, but I think it becomes, f- 
far more difficult in future for the league to take the position that we're looking out for players. And whether it's this or a combination, it becomes tougher. Scott, what's the happy medium here? Okay. And we talked about Tom Brady. Tom Brady was, was an example. We've seen a number of examples right now where referees right now are calling penalties because we're, we're, we're trying to be so safe with Ticky the quarterbacks tack. right yep. now, right? Quarterbacks are getting sacked now, and defensive linemen are being called for for roughing the passer or a hard takedown. Where I, I'm sorry, I, I play the game, not at that level, obviously, but I don't know what a defensive player is supposed to do nowadays when you're trying to Agree. get to the quarterback, Agree. right? But so they're yep. trying their very best to protect these quarterbacks right now. So they're not going to feel... Um, I don't think the the NFL is in danger here that if Tua gets injured that they're going to be under some scrutiny. I I don't know what else they're supposed to do. They they are the most protected player in sport at this point right now. So I would my argument would be this is contact. Yeah, I, I know people are going to be hit. I know, and it's not so much the rules that I don't think the NBA, the NFL would come under scrutiny for. It's the medical staffs that would be coming under scrutiny. And when you've got all this stuff that, like already, they're under fire for the medical staff in the game against Buffalo, letting him come back to play that game when he clearly, that, that whole thing, it was a back injury. Horrible. He reached for his head, he shook his head, he falls down like he's been goofy. Um, nobody believed that. Nobody believed that. It, it, this no. is a medical issue. Yeah, I, I just think when you, when, when you have, in the, in the NFL cases, 11 guys on a football field, 22 of them, pardon me, in, in total, in a small space, uh, the, this is going to happen. You're going to ha- it is a collision sport. Any one of your, of, of your listeners right now, I would, if you get an opportunity, and I know you've done this as well, too, and we can do this at Ticat Games, if you have an opportunity to watch the game, not so much from your seats, I'm not even talking about level one, but if you're standing on the field, and I know this is tough for the, the average fan, if you get an opportunity to stand on the field and watch football and keep moving and watch and you stand on the line of scrimmage wherever the football, wherever that next snap is, there are collisions which I cannot describe. And I know uh, hockey is a contact sport, but it's a different type of contact. And you watch these 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 big men, you know, is you know, there's maybe as much as seventy offensive plays in a game hitting each other the way they do. That's the nature of this sport. And quarterbacks, as well protected as they are, they are going to get hit. And that's just the way it's going to be. I don't know what yeah, else we can possibly do. No, no, and we got to go. I, I look. I, I I'm not in entire disagreement with you. I will just say that I the one thing I will disagree with is. If Tua gets another concussion this week, doesn't matter what the explanation is, the NFL will be running on the defensive, trying to come up with some explanation because there will be fingers being pointed left, right, and center because of what we saw two weeks ago. And two weeks doesn't seem like an, a long time for a brain to heal. I'm not a, I'm not a neurologist. I'm just telling you from a public perspective, it doesn't seem like with what we saw that two weeks is very long to get better. However, well, all pray, I, all I, I don't want to hurt. The, the, the proof of the, the proof in the pudding is, is is if people stop watching, and yeah. and I'm that, sorry, and that's what they care no, about. no, yep. no one's not going to stop watching. No, and that's what they care about un- unquestionably. Uh, Bob O'Neill, the Scott Radley Show, weekday evenings from six to eight on 900 CHML. 
The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.